Continuing in prayer, gracious God, speak your word to us. Strengthen us by your word and by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Two readings this morning, one from Luke 24, 44 to 53, and the second from Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. First, Luke 24. And Jesus said to them, this is what I told you when I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out of the vicinity, out to the vicinity of Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. And now from Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. To each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Does anyone know what last Thursday was? Ascension Day. The former Catholics, yeah. <laughs> well, the Catholics shouldn't be the only ones to celebrate Ascension Day, and they're not. I'll tell you another group that celebrates Ascension Day, and that is the Amish. If you, as I, were from central Pennsylvania, you would know that on that Thursday, uh, the buggies are everywhere, mostly going up to campsites or fishing streams, or whatever, wherever they might recreate, because that's a day that the Amish celebrate by having fun, enjoying picnics, fishing, whatever it might be. You know, they don't have Memorial Day because they are pacifists and don't celebrate the days that uh, commemorate war and, and sacrifices made. So they make up for it by enjoying Ascension Day that way. And just like the meaning of Memorial Day can be lost in the picnics and the family gatherings, so can the meaning of Ascension Day be lost in the picnics and family gatherings of the Amish, or by ignoring it, as most of the Protestant church has grown accustomed to do. But Ascension Day is a very important day because the Ascension is a very important part of our theological framework, of our understanding of who Jesus Christ is. What does ascension mean? 
We are good at celebrating the victory of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and so isn't that enough? Isn't that enough to just say he won the battle over sin and death? But it's really not. The Psalms are filled with Psalms of ascent. The whole point of those Psalms is that that God is raising up a leader, and that leader will reign with justice, will reign with peace. And they look forward to their new leader who who will make everything right. Ascension Day is the day when we celebrate that Jesus Christ, after winning the victory over sin and death and Satan himself, ascended to his place of leadership. He is now the king over all. It's sort of like, and I don't mean to minimize our Lord and Savior by using this illustration, but if you remember your history, because George Washington was such a great general, the people wanted him to be their king. And he said, I will not be a king, but he became our president. Because of the victory he won, he was elevated to a place of leadership. That is the same as it is for Christ. Because of the victory he won, he was elevated to this place of leadership at God's right hand. And as the Ascension Psalms point to, he was um, welcomed into heaven as the king, as the new ruler of all that is. Um, The passage we looked at a couple weeks ago says this well, Philippians chapter 2. We read first about Jesus' humbling of himself, and then it says, in verses 9 through 11, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Something else amazing about ascension, the the ascension of Jesus Christ. And it starts in that stable in Bethlehem. Because in that stable in Bethlehem, God became human. Even before that, when Mary became pregnant with the Son of God, God became human. Jesus Christ took on the fullness of humanity. Jesus Christ became human. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, his body was a different body, as Paul explains in 1 Corinthians 15. Resurrection bodies are different than these earthly bodies, but it's still a human body. When Jesus rose from the dead, he was still human. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he is still human. As Jesus sits at God's right hand, he still is human. That is an amazing thought. Because in becoming human and dying as a human, in raising as a human and ascending as a human, he has won victory for humanity. And his sacrifice wasn't just for those 30 years, 33 years he walked this earth. It is for all eternity that he has chosen to identify with you and with me. One might say, when he rose into the throne room of heaven again, 
that humanity has entered the building. I've had the opportunity in the last few weeks, I've been reading um, some books by, a book by N.T. Wright, and I got the opportunity to see him a couple weeks ago and hear him speak. N.T. Wright is a, an excellent author and speaker who is helping the church re-understand what the Bible's really all about. You know, we tend to get sort of um, theological understanding from popular culture or from novels or whatever it might be or from just what we recite over and over again. And he says, let's look at the Bible through fresh eyes. Let's make sure that what we're believing is actually what the Bible says and what he has seen in the Bible that maybe we've somehow missed is that the Bible, of course, is about Jesus Christ. But the Bible is about the reign of Jesus Christ, that his kingdom is established. When Jesus suffered and died, he won the battle for his kingdom. When Jesus raises to the right hand of God, he is establishing his reign over everything. This is important. This means that he is in charge ultimately of all things. And when you read the Bible through this lens, it's like the second time you watch The Sixth Sense. You know the ending, and if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But the first time you see it, you have assumptions and suppositions, and then at the end, they're all changed radically. And you can never watch it the first time again. But as you watch it the second time, everything is seen through the lens, the corrected lens of how, what's really happening in that movie. And as we see Scripture through the correct lens of the kingdom of God and the reign of Jesus Christ and God's um, big story of creation and fall and redemption and restoration of the entire creation, then we can see that it's very clear throughout Scripture that that's what it's about. So, the ascension, what does it mean? First, it means victory, ultimate victory. Secondly, it means that humanity enters heaven. Thirdly, it means that the reign of Christ is established. And fourthly, it's preparation for Pentecost. Jesus said, I have to ascend in order for the Holy Spirit to come. He tells the disciple, disciples, it will be better for you when I am not here. And we say, and they say, how can that be? Well, it's true because when he was walking this earth, he was in one place at a time. And those who happened to be in proximity to him could learn from him, could experience miracles, could experience his healing power, but only those close. But when he ascended and then sent the Holy Spirit, he is everywhere. This makes a big difference in our lives. When we're lonely, he is there. When we feel powerless, he is there. When we've sinned, he is there. 
There was a time years ago when I did something that I was very much ashamed of. And I was praying and repenting, and I have not heard the audible voice of God more than maybe one or two times, and that it's not necessarily audible, but it is so clear that God is speaking. And as I confessed that, as I was undone by what I had done, I sensed Jesus Christ saying, I was with you. What, what a powerful, convicting thing that was to hear. When we're doing good, Jesus is with us. But when we're, doing, when we're disobeying God, he is still with us. When we're lonely, he is with us. When we're confessing our sin, he is with us. And his forgiveness is assured because he sits at God's right hand, interceding for us. Now, you can envision that one of two ways. One of them is wrong and one of them is right. I'll tell you the wrong way first. Jesus sits at God's right hand. You do something wrong. And he says, oh, Father, please, one more time. I know they've, they've done this so many times. I know we're, we're both a little fed up with them, but, but let's just one more. I, I, I pray, please, please forgive them one more time. Wrong way. The right way is that Jesus intercedes by saying, Father, look at me. Look at them through me and see that there is no condemnation left. No matter how many times they have failed, no matter how many times they will fail in the future, no matter how pathetic they think they are, there is no condemnation. So the Father looks at you through the Son and Christ intercedes by putting onto you the fullness of his holiness. There is no condemnation. And because he sits at the Father's right hand, he can from there release the power and presence of the Holy Spirit who equips us and strengthens us and reminds us of God's presence with us. And we'll talk about the Holy Spirit and Pentecost next week. But we know that because of the Holy Spirit, we have power. We have power from God. We are equipped by God to do the work of ministry. Now, I'm not trying to say that asking Devin to marry me eight years ago was like... A really scary thing but I was a 47 year old bachelor so mm, it was sort of a scary thing <laughs> but I had such a deep sense of peace and calm about it I knew that God was with me so I thought it was really cool that the day I asked her to marry me was Ascension Day a group of pastors, you know, in Amish country where they celebrate Ascension Day more than we might, got together and had a prayer meeting that morning and they prayed through my, my proposal and everything. It wasn't a great proposal, but it was, <laughs> it was empowered by God and accompanied by the Holy Spirit and has led to great joy and happiness. We have that power 
that presence of God because Jesus sits at God's right hand. But we also have responsibility. And Luke wrote this ending of the Gospel of Luke, and then he went on to write the beginning of the Gospel of Acts. And the ascension is what ties the two books together. In the beginning of Acts, he writes of the ascension, and Jesus, before he ascends, says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Therefore, the job of the church, the job of those who have the Holy Spirit is to witness to the kingdom of God, to tell other people that God will win all the battles, that God through Christ will establish his kingdom on earth. That God will make everything right. Finally, ascension, the ascension of Christ, is a preview of the return of Christ. The victorious warrior returning to earth, bringing all those who have uh, gone before us with him, and then coming to earth to establish his kingdom where everything will be made right. And the prayer that we pray in the Lord's Prayer will be ultimately answered. God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In closing, I want to read Psalm, or from Daniel, the book of Daniel, the prophecy. Daniel received a vision in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. He writes, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. You are citizens of the kingdom of God. Witness. Tell the world. Because one day everyone will know, but not everyone will be ready. We can help them get ready. And God is gracious, and by his Holy Spirit equips us to do what he calls us to do. This table is part of that equipping. Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. We participate in Christ through this table in a very amazing and miraculous way. The Holy Spirit is present here to nourish us in our walk with Christ. And all who are in Christ are welcome partake at this table. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. For we acknowledge that 
We have done nothing to deserve a place in your kingdom. We have acted more like subjects of the kingdom of the world, subject to sin and rebellion. And yet, by your grace, you have redeemed us and welcomed us into your kingdom. And now we live in the in-between, still here, still waiting for your kingdom to come and your will to be done fully on earth as it is in heaven. But we have the promise, we have the assurance that that kingdom will come fully one day. And we look forward to that day and we pray that you would help us be people who are preparing our own hearts and lives for that day and also reaching out to others to help them be ready when that kingdom comes. We thank you for this table, for this bread. We ask that you make it be for us the body of Christ, strengthening us to be the body of Christ in the world so that as he is no longer physically present, he is yet still physically present through his church. Strengthen us to be and do what he would be and do. And we ask that you take this cup and make it be for us the blood of Christ, that that new life in Christ would course through our veins, bringing new life and new hope and new strength to serve you to witness to you. And we pray all of this with great thanks through Jesus Christ. Amen.